0: The program that follows is a rebroadcast of a Digital Free Thought Radio Hour that was originally aired on the 2nd of August twenty seventeen.
1: WLCOLP 103.9 FM Knoxville. Ladies and gentlemen,
2: may I have your attention, please?
3: Digital Free Thought Radio, radio. Hour.
2: Girl, loved the mass, I watched the swirl of smoke from candles burning, while Mary looked up yawning. I got confirmed and I confessed, I really felt that I was blessed. Plus I loved my uniform, so did the boy who lived next door. But something changed, when I became of age. I thought were true, someday I'd break the big deal, we'll let it go God, let it go
0: God. This is Digital Free Thought Radio Hour, hello I'm back, hi what's up, hey, very good, you at it. Digital Free thought Radio Hour on WOZ Radio 103.9 LPFM here in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is a live show. So uh, if you'd like to later on, you can call the show at 323-5937. That's 865-333-5937. Digital Free thought Radio Hour is a talk radio show about atheism, free thought rational thought, humanism, and the sciences. And conversely, we also talk about religion, religious faiths, God's holy books and superstition. And if you get the feeling that you're the only non-believer in Knoxville, or indeed East Tennessee, well, you're just wrong. There are several atheist and rationalist groups that exist here in Knoxville, and we'll tell you how you can connect with them later on in the show. And did you know that there was an atheist called a television show broadcasting here in Knoxville? What? That's right. Did you know that one about it?
3: Yeah. I knew all about it. It's uh I, so The thing is though I think it's a little overrated I mean I think it's been on For just a little bit Too many seasons To be perfectly honest with you And I don't like how The judge in the middle Is so mean To them Just for the sake of being mean It doesn't make any sense Just let them sing They're there to sing Just let him have a good show That's think, all I'm saying I think
0: you got the wrong show <laughs> It is not a singing show It's a talk to show It's a talking TV oh. show About eight days And it's called Free Pop Forum every Tuesday, and we'll tell you how you can listen to it a little bit later on, and even call in to the show you like. And in spite of what Steve Martin would have you think, there are an awful lot of atheist songs out there, and you'll be hearing some of them right here on this program, and generally on the station as they are in rotation. Uh, I thought I'd bring up a, a topic today that I hear an awful lot in the uh, secular and religious back-and-forths on Facebook and otherwise on the web. And it, it's usually, uh, people will, you know, talk about atheism, and they'll say, well, how do you think this happens, or how do you think that happened? how do you think we got here, how do you think uh, uh, the world got here, the universe, and all that stuff. And uh, they, they come on like they have all the answers, and we have none. And they think that if they just issue a one-syllable word, that it covers all the bases. You know, like, God, well, how do you got here? Oh, we got here because God put us here. Uh, how do you think the universe got here? God. I mean, it's just all one word, and everything in the world is encapsulated in it. But um, God is really a lot more questions than it is answers. Um, you're nodding your head there, right? Rib. What would you uh, say to that?
1: Well, it just kind of reminds me of the word offend, because when people say they're offended, uh, that you've, well, you, you've offended me. How dare you? Think. Uh, now, it has different contexts and different connotations, but when it comes to specifically religious offense, typically I think what a lot of the time people have in mind when they're saying offend is really a congregate of a whole lot of things that are being squished down to saying offense. You'd so be saying, well, what you're saying uh, creates a bit of cognitive dissonance, and it's uncomfortable, and it forces me to think about why I believe what I do and if I have any good reason to, and so on and so on. Um, and a lot of other description that just creates anger and more cognizance about what they've been taught all along, what they're looking into, et cetera, et cetera, what, what, how they make sense of the world, all the questions, all the answers, and they're just reduced down to offended. Yeah. All that of down's well, down well, to evil. It's almost like they believe that they've got a right
0: or a law protecting them against being offended. Right. Sorry. This is a free society. You're bound to be offended pretty much sure. three or four times every hour mm-hmm. in this society. You just have to grow, <laughs> grow a, a thick skin and that's, move on. That's funny. And, well, it has a it has another point. to that point is that you don't have to worry about going to jail if you offend somebody else. Uh, you know, on their side of it, uh, they can they can tell me that God's going to send me to hell, which offends me, but it doesn't it doesn't give me any grounds to pursue them or have them arrested or even uh, even say they can't say that because it's a free country. They can say that, so it protects them as well. Um, Wombat, well, what do you think when someone says that God is the answer?
3: I'm getting really bad. Okay, cool. Uh, so what I think about it is, um, why are people resorting to a simple answer? It's because it makes them feel comfortable. It makes them feel good. And sometimes feeling comfortable and good is more important to a person than actually being right. And I feel like when we, when we can get over that hump, then we truly reach the state of enlightenment because that's when we get rid of Alicia comfort because sometimes being uncomfortable is a good thing. Sometimes that level of discomfort while it might be unsettling is reliably the best way to know the things that are around you and is actually the safest way to be. You know, I feel like we have a lot of times where we tend to be a bit anxious about the things that we aren't aware of and we'll come up with, you know, falsehoods that we find, you know, very, you know, comforting. But at the end of the day, would I rather be comfortable and wrong or or uncomfortable and right? And I think between those two, the obvious answer is being correct and because that gives me the most accurate understanding of my surroundings as well as informs me of future dangers and also gives me something to do. You know, it's fun to learn about stuff that I don't know. And if I feel like I know everything from the get-go from one book, it completely blinds me to the greatest kinds of achievements that are being done all around me by people who are willing to take that extra step forward and to the unknown and figure out things, even if it's an uncomfortable truth, get out there and figuring it out for themselves. And I'm happy that they're out there. That's all I can say.
1: Also, I wanted to add to that, uh, on, on top of that, going back to the original question, because I know I didn't, I didn't really answer. I, I pulled a, I pulled a politician's answer. I just, uh, just answered the wrong, or answered the different answer to a different question. Um, so, uh, going back to what the word, when the insertion of God explains everything. What it brings to mind is sometimes the parallels and the juxtapositions of uh, a stance basically analogous to um, pantheism. Right? It's basically all is one and one is all. Uh, someone can substitute the word of God with universe, and it means the same thing in that sense. But well, it's, it's that's the, the way that uh, Einstein used it. Uh, it. It's the connotations you give them, right?
0: Um, well, it certainly Dyson, doesn't mean that it's, a, it's an intelligent entity. It just means it's all-encompassing.
1: Yeah, it's just this. It's the, it's the it's the state of being that it. I guess that is uh, all that is. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't necessarily
0: have a will or a purpose. It's just all that is. It's a thing. But we have a word for that, and it's called the universe. Yeah. You know, why Why bring all this uh, religious baggage into the plane? Um, and another thing about it, uh, you know, people could claim that they have the answers, and they have the answers based on faith. But faith doesn't give you any answers. It, it just stops you from asking more questions. It's a big old stop sign in the middle of an, the road to enlightenment. Um, just you just need to plow on through. Uh, you got to get used to being able to say, "I don't know," comfortably when when you literally don't know. And just because some old book compared to other old books, you know, says one thing versus another one, and they say it's God, it's a, it's a breathed word of a supernatural being, doesn't mean that the claim has any weight to it. It's just a claim until you have evidence. Now, there, I wrote an article about this. Uh, God is not an answer. It's just a thousand more questions. Um, I'm going to read just a couple paragraphs from it. Um, when, a, when a a believer, when you talk to a believer, uh, you'll hear them say that Jesus is the answer. Often you haven't even asked them a question. And when the subject of evolution comes up, you'll ask them how they think humans arrived on this planet. And they'll simply say, God. However, when you tell them God isn't an answer because it brings up more questions than it has answers, they'll give you that deer-in-the-headlight look. Say, huh? I believe it's because they were brought up believing in one particular God, in one particular sect of religion, and have not taken the time or effort to look at the big picture. They don't see that people all over the world worship a thousand different gods just as strongly as they worship theirs, even some willing to kill or die for theirs and that's not counting those that, are, that have killed or died for thousands of years or thousands of gods who are worshipped throughout history. So that's the first question to be answered. Which god? Say this to them, though, and you get another dear look. However, there are hundreds more questions about their god that are just begging to be answered. Where did this god come from? Does it have parents? Are the parents still alive? Does it have a whole race of beings? Does it have a gender? How long has he, she, or it been around? Uh, where do they live? Why can't we see them? Are they all in this universe or do they all have their own universes? Why did they create the universe? Why did this, why did they create this particular universe? And why did they make the most of the universe deadly to humans that people were so important to them? Why did they wait so long, like 14 billion years, before even adding, uh, large animals to it or people? Uh, Where is heaven and hell? Are there other places where souls can go after death? It goes on and on. God begs hundreds, if not thousands, of questions. And they just need to think about that and say, you know, a lot of people will talk about generic, the generic God. Well, the universe had to come from somewhere, so it had to be fine-tuned. It's so complex, you know, blah, blah, blah. But they're just talking about a generic God at that point. And even then, if they convinced me that a generic deist god had, uh, existed, they would still have all their work ahead of them trying to tie it to a particular god, like uh, Yahweh or Jesus or one of the Hindu gods.
1: I, th- I think there are some similarities between the deistic view and the sol- solipsistic view. Uh, you still run into the same problem of what does it contribute to the conversation? What does it contribute to uh, life? Uh, in the theistic view, you know, uh, summarizing, it's, well, there's a retired, it's, it's the retired engineer hypothesis. So they press the yeah. button and walk away and that's or, it. Or it got, got blown up in the explosion. Or, or, or that, or that, there's two, there's and the, the, the hard solipsistic view it essentially goes back to the brain of that scenario. You know, yeah. if, if this reality is just a, uh, just an altered augmented reality experience and it's all matrix-like yeah. and out of the situation it doesn't change that from day to day we still live the way we do so it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't answer any questions right. really right um,
0: well i do you have any questions about oh, yeah. god that was that, that raised by this conversation
3: yeah i got a point um i if someone's used god as if I said, how does this happen? And they said, God, that is an answer. But here's the my here's my complaint. And that, there's my controversial point. Like, here's my here's my point behind that point. Uh It's not a good answer because it lacks explanative power. And by that, I mean, it's not a very good explanation for what it is. It's at best just a response to the question that I originally asked. And it's no more of an explanative, uh, uh ant response than you saying potato. Like, what time is it? My dad knows what time it is. That's good for your dad, you know, that's really, really great. But I'd like to know what time it is. Oh, well, you know, my Uncle Beth knows what time it is. And you, and you can prove to me that she's real and stuff like that. But again, it doesn't really give an explanation or really respond to the answer, the question I was asking. Again, if I asked, like, what time it is, and you said, hot sauce. (laughs) It's at best not a very good way of answering. So what we want really is, what we want first is like a substantial response to what our question is, which is, you know, how is the universe created? Uh, Scientists may not be able to give you an absolute concrete answer, but they can demonstrate the claims that they have, leading to a pretty good conclusion that's supported by, you know, evidence. And demonstrable findings and consequences that I could determine on my own, right? If I had, you know, the time to look into it myself, and it seems to corroborate to a consistent narrative that's pretty reliable. Using technology that we've seen advance and become more precise over time, and that tends to be the more powerful answer in terms of explaining things that I couldn't necessarily just figure out this my own, at, uh, or at least, you know, uh, in a half hour or like just with my free time, which I don't really have much of, but. Uh, really it is, uh, it's a reliable way of figuring out information when you can get a very good answer that I can myself test and see if it's true and holds up. But when you give me something like a figure that's supernatural, that I can't test, that I can't see, that seems to hide even from the person who claims that they have a deep and personal relationship with, it makes it really, really hard for me not only to take that seriously, but to even figure out if this answer is even reliable. And then it even begs the question of how am I supposed to determine if this is even answering my question? Because if anything, it's just bringing up even more questions as a result of you throwing in an entirely new, all-powerful being, all-knowing, inherently contradictory to itself, a paradox in its own right, to answer what I think is an honest question so i think ultimately what you're finding out is that god can be a very simple thing to say but have so many connotations behind it that are inherently very complex that i don't even think the people who throw the term out appreciate how far they've missed the point with regard to answering the question in a concise and demonstrable way what do you think Well, uh,
1: you know, I I like all that and really adding to that in support of it, it reminds me of uh, one of my heroes, Little Gus Tyson, and uh, basically his response and sometimes when people are making the claims of uh, this god or that god or more importantly, the I guess it replies doubly or more so to the uh, deistic notion is that uh, that often the the assertion is um, from someone who is devout or just kind of loosely in there in some way or another, is that, well, I don't know, but God explains it, or God explains it. Yeah. And what this really goes into a greater notion of, as Benedict Tyson puts it, that um, if the only thing that you can come up with as God's answer for essentially the God of the gaps, uh, explaining the way anything that science hasn't yet gone into yet or is not fully understood yet then Bill deGrasse Tyson I'm paraphrasing calls it a an ever receding pocket of scientific ignorance and you know also another part of this was that I see a lot of defense for well you can't take this literally but if you're going to go down down that that line of argument at what point does an analogy become a non-analogy and an allegory become a non-allegory and vice-versa it becomes entirely subjective to um, the framing, uh, which matters in a way, in a conveyance of the person making their argument. And when it's subject to those whims, rather than the way of, of science progressing, that is, enhancing our own perception to see that which is not observable, or entirely removing our perceptions from the equation, and relying on instruments which can always be indifferent, that's how science progresses, and we stop having to rely on our own uh, fallible senses. And um, so when it comes down to such things like that of, well, you know, I was born so-and-so, and for the past 30 years I've had exposure to a lot of this, so naturally I'm going to have a natural inkling to this situation. Well, that's that's not unbiased, that's biased. So a measurement will give you a different readout than whatever your uh, response is to saying, well... No, one day is a thousand years, to the Lord, and so on, so on, so on. It it just becomes a mess unless you can um, be honest about it and say that, well, let's take it for what it says. And, and Which instruments do. Right. And,
0: um, getting back to the program, I mean to the, the article that I wrote, uh, talking about the questions that I had earlier, uh, all the different ones, it says... These questions never seem to enter the believer's mind. It may be because they were dealt with at a very early age. Any parent knows that you have to answer all kinds of questions about God from preschool children, and these were handled at that stage. By the time we're ready for school, we have a pretty good idea of what their they have a pretty good idea of what their particular God's characteristics are, and many times how he looks, sounds and acts, which seems to be an awful lot like Santa Claus. And he, if you think about it, it does look like that, big white whiskers and all that. But what about the older, more philosophical, philosophical questions that have been with us for a long time about God? Why did God let evil enter the world? Why does God allow sickness? Why does He let bad things happen to good people? And why does He hide? Now one of the biggest questions of God was put forward by Socrates. Does, do the gods love good actions because it is good? Or is it good actions because it is loved by God? Also mm-hmm. called the euthyphro dilemma. Euthyphro yeah. and can be put another way, does God create morality or does he just pass that information along to us? If God creates morality, then whatever he says is good is good. Um and they could change their minds tomorrow. But if the if good exists aside from God's and he and they just pass it along, that gods are just a messenger. And we could theoretically figure it out for ourselves. So there's all kinds of questions, uh, practical questions, philosophical questions, and all of these are just totally ignored by the person who says God and answer for you know, general questions of day-to-day.
1: Uh, I think a point you made there, interesting, uh, goes back to e- Euthyphro. It's one of, uh, maybe it's morbid in fascination, but I really like Euthyphro so much because it just, it's, it's the iron nail in the cold balloon. You just you can't get around it. You can't get around it. it. It 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 would do. It would be to deface logic if there was some way to get around that. So it's a very longevityist dilemma. And um, one could side with saying, well, uh, from what I know of God, surely, uh, or gods, you know, they 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 wouldn't change their mind. Um, even you have scriptures saying that, you know, God is the same use every day. He's the rock
0: of ages. ages. It doesn't
1: change. But you will have changing all throughout the Bible based on 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 the situation.
0: Think how different the God was in the Old Testament versus the New Testament. I mean, right there, he he went from ordering everybody around and killing everybody and giving them plagues to telling them to be nice to each other and not hurting anybody. You're right.
1: Right. And there's all the arguments for indentured servitude and how that's not what it means. But then you have to go into that only applies to Israelites and everything outside is just whatever goes. And there's specific women within the Israelites and there's all these shekels and, and all that just becomes, uh looking forward, gruesome, cruel and a lot of other descriptions. But not even that. I mean, I mean, Christianity is. Probably you know basically the biggest hitter in this area, but you know just broadening the scope a bit. Um, look at for instance, I uh, have some friends who are, who are pagan, you know, um, which seem a lot more innocuous, and, and, and innocuous than than in a lot of the claims that you know the the Abrahamic uh, religions bring. Yeah. But even in so like something like in in, in uh, paganism, you have. I don't want to screw up the verse, but it's something about, like, so saith Odin, uh, the third offense shall be met with blood. And so it's just an edict that says, you know, if someone wrongs you, it's, it, it goes per, it goes sequentially from, you know, like a stern hard talking to a small, to a greater punishment to must be with blood. And you can't get around that. Right. They just want to make examples of other religions as well.
0: But when you think of it from the aspect of a of a atheist these are just
1: the people the people who
0: wrote these words to put these words on paper are just preachers of their time. Uh, it, imagine Pat Robertson going back or being alive 2000 years ago and being just as big a zealot as he is now but he's in a position of writing down stories that he can say came from God and people believe him wholesale. Himself the children. Yes. And then these, these stories that he wrote down could get passed down from mother to son for thousands of years as true gospel and taught from the earliest childhood. It, it's, it's ludicrous if it weren't so, so um,
1: terrifying, terrible. And in, in, uh, in, in Wombat, uh, if you ever... Just jump at any time, but I had a thought, though. I had to go back with the core root of indoctrination, how dangerous it is. Um. If we grew up in a society that we weren't taught all these verses from, from youth, we didn't go to church, you know, and said we're basically just taught more societal secular values, uh several generations later it really wouldn't be an issue. I mean i mean, you, you might have lingeries, you know, but if you if you stop indoctrinating, then generations later it becomes so effective as well I was never told about these things, therefore I don't have this ingrained bias. Uh, system that gives uh, unwarranted legitimacy to uh, one notion or another that's theistically motivated. And when you remove that element of it, uh, the only place you can go is basically ask, well, why? And then if you go the secular route and basically you try to remove your biases and uh, use scientific method, uh, empirical methods, you know, reasoned inferences, um, you get a lot closer, I think, to what reality seems to be ostensibly than one answer one worded phrase of God, yeah. want well, anything before we go to the
0: break?
3: Sure, I think uh when the second half we're probably going to cover a little bit more about why we, as you know atheists, had ever once used uh God as an answer, and maybe as atheists, how we may be satisfied with simple answers things that might be a little bit more complicated. How about we get into that? Sounds real good. Yeah.
0: Uh, this cool. is Digital Free Thought Radio R and W-O-Z-O Radio 103.9 L-P-F-M live right here in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're going to take a short break. Uh, we're going to play a song called Get Down on Your Knees, Dear Father. I think you've got the references. Uh, it's about a Catholic abuse, I believe. So here we go. We'll be back in about five minutes.
2: All dressed up like a Christmas tree With velvet lace and gold They took us to their sacred house We did what we were told They filled up our heads with stories They told us that we could be saved If we sang and praised their heroes But he never showed his face They warned us to watch out for Satan Who'd be waiting there to capture our soul If we didn't heed all of their wishes he would drag us all down through that hole We'd burn and we'd scream there forever And our cries, they would never be heard Yes, the innocence of little children Will accept the liar's word Get down on your knees, dear Father And beg now forgiveness for me Show me that you're truly sorry For the person that I couldn't be Show me some tears now of sorrow Show me a face that is real My innocent and lonely existence Was never left there for you to steal They take away all of your childhood They'll rob you of all of your dreams Their cruelty it hurts and will leave you With scars that can never be seen And we are all left here to suffer With the heartache of struggle and strife And our tears they'll never dry up They follow us on through life Get down on your knees, dear sister And beg now forgiveness from me For the cruelty towards all those children And the pain that you'll never see The mothers that lost all their babies And never would see them again The cries from their beds still remain in their hands, and slowly it drives them insane. Your gold, your chandeliers Take all your sermons and all of your songs You won't be back no more
3: Thought Radio Hour on Wozo 103.9 LPFM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Feel free to join in on the conversation at 865 333 5937. That's 865 333 5937. And now, back to the show. Digital Freethought Radio Hour. Simply the best. And welcome
0: back. I'm Daughter Five, and with us today we have Riv. Say hi, Riv. Hello. And Wombat, you there with us? Yeah, Wombat, Wombat! Yay, Wombat! Um, now we get to the part of the show where we talk about the free thought groups that are here in Knoxville. will tell you a little bit about them. Uh, first, there's the Atheist Society of Knoxville. Founded 15 years ago, November marks our 15th year. ASK now has nearly 700 members, actually more than that now. And you can find them online at the knoxvilleatheist.org. Um, or you can go directly to meetup.com and look for Noxful Atheist. It's just that simple. Also, you can join us in person at our weekly meetup, which happens every Tuesday evening at West Hills Plats and Tabs, on Kingston Pike near Westtown Mall. Uh, there we get together for food, drink, and conversation. Everybody's welcome, but as long as you don't preach, proselytize, provoke the punch. Thank you, Matt Hunt. Other large free-thinking groups here in Knoxville, uh, one of which is the Rationalists of East Tennessee. RET has been around for more than 20 years and has bi-weekly presentations and discussions on Pellissippi State Campus near Hardin Valley Road. They meet the first and third Sundays at the Goins Administration Building Cafeteria Annex. But if that's too much to remember, just go to rationalist.org online and click on Upcoming Events. Or just follow the signs once you get on campus. Then there's the Sunday Assembly. Uh, it started in England a couple of years ago and now spread around the world. It's a no-God church for those who have had enough of religion but still like the fellowship of a church-type gathering. They meet only once a month on the fourth Sunday, but remember we don't have to throw out all of the babies with the dishwater, bath uh, bathwater. We can keep the good stuff and throw out the bad. Uh, then there's a, a rash I'm sorry, the Freedom from Religion Foundation. Uh, they're in Madison, Wisconsin, but we have a local chapter too. It meets at uh, Earth Fair out uh, uh, Turkey Creek uh, the second Wednesday, I believe, of the month, at about 7 o'clock. Um, and uh, finally, there's a new, uh, you no, know, uh, it's Earlier in the show, we had a talk about the Knoxville Atheist call-in TV show. It's been on the air for seven years now. It's called Free Thought Forum, and you can see it every Tuesday between 5 and 6 on Comcast Channel 12 or Charter Channel 192. If you don't have cable, you can watch it streaming online at ctvnox.org. You can also find archives of some of the shows there on YouTube where a fan has been posting them. Uh, just search, search for three words called Free Thought Forum Knoxville, and you can sort by date to get the latest ones. Also, if you're interested in getting involved with the TV or this radio show, just come to an Ask Meetup or an RET meeting and talk to us about it. You could be our next co-host or guest. Okay, and back times. Yeah, right. uh, getting back to the show, uh, the topic of the show, which is God, is not an answer; it's just a million more questions. Um, I think you wanted to get us into it this time, uh, didn't you want that?
3: Sure, I want to get into a roundtable discussion. Uh, so normally, when we talk about things like this, we can sort to get lost in this kind of vibe that sounds maybe to other callers that you know we're your classic bunch of angry atheists. But you know, you know we're, we 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 tend to have a pretty jolly time, and I think what we're hearing is basically a realization that when some of us were very faithful uh, and and came out of that faith. Uh, we realized how much time we were wasting, and it came to a shock, one that felt like a lot of time may have been stolen from us, one that felt like maybe a lot of energy or unnecessary fear was expended in basically something that we can only figure as a lie at this point. Um, it felt like we were lied to. It felt like we had a lot of time that was, or something that was valuable, taken away from us in terms of time. Out of
0: religion, feel you know, angry.
3: Yeah, it. Was uh,
1: about it. Sure, De- definitely mix of anger and euphoria at the same time. Yeah,
3: and and I guess my point is, you know, when what's worse is when you get out of it and you try to explain what you've discovered to other people, and they may not be receptive to it, or perhaps you see that there's an entire economy built. On milking people and keeping them in a certain system, or basically families that just raise their uh, progeny in a way where they never really ask themselves a single important question with regard to the most important thing in their entire lives, and that level of, I guess you can just say shallowness or uh, laziness is probably the nicest way I can put it, just really frustrates you as a person, and or as particularly as an atheist. And I think that's what you're hearing right now. It's not so much – oh, it's it's not so much a frustration directed at each other. It's more of just uh, a frustration at, like, this current event where we see people who are refusing to almost enlighten themselves. And it, it can be pretty frustrating. So how do we get to the point where we can relate to that a little bit more? Well, I thought we can go around the table and talk about the times where we may have used God or uh, faith or something similar as a simple response, as in our opinion. To solve a really complex question, uh, it, has there ever been a time in you guys past where you've used uh, God as an answer for something and were comfortable with it?
1: Yeah, I'll try to keep it short. Um, in long story short, yes, there have been a lot of times. Because uh, it's over the past decade, really, that I has slowly come out to the point to where my shift in logic, my logic has shifted in the way I... Decom, uh, basically uh, deconstructed uh, questions and answers, and how they were sound or not sound, and so on. Um, but before that, a lot of it made sense of, well, I don't understand, but God understands therefore. And, I mean, that's just a very generic thing, but um, I actually pulled up my book here, which is really interesting because it covers some of the very things I used to think about. This is a small paragraph here uh, from a book I have that Old religions. It says, uh, And yet, these issues of natural laws in the, observ- in the observable versus the unobservable also lead to points, uh, convergence, points of convergence between science and religion. Uh, certain basic and extremely significant scientific questions can be an answered. For example, what is... This is very me? For example, what is the grounds of consciousness? What causes gravity? What existed, if anything, prior to the Big Bang? and what, causes, what caused its existence. Science and religion can perhaps generally agree over mystery bounds. Granted, the scientific response to a mystery is, let's agree over this, i is, let's solve it. Whereas religious response typically is, this is a mystery and it is meant to be. But in the meantime, mystery abides, allowing for a certain kind of convergence. It is probably no accident. The percentage of scientists in the United States who regularly attend religious services is almost the same as a Percentage in the general population. So when I read that, that was really frustrating because we already know uh, through the scientific method a lot of these things. I mean, this is uh, Higgs boson, right? We understand the gravity field that uh, gives uh, gives a uh, matter, it gives it matter, it gives it gravity.
0: That's a pretty recent discovery, though. Right, and
1: I've, this edit wasn't even it was made before that. I mean, not sorry, after it. Uh the grounds of consciousness. Again, it's more of a matter of neurology, but it's more or less one synapse talking to another synapse and creating a I mean creating a picture of the world around us. We we it's like the definition of atheism itself. We give something a name, even though in all rights it's not even. it's like it's people who golf and people who don't golf. Are they a golfers? I mean it's it, it's really just it's giving something meaning to something which really is just it's just a lack of meaning. And then, you know, things like uh the Big Bang would cause its existence as so far as we understand with further understanding in cosmology, is that basically we have the quantum field and the state of nothing and Matt Dillant, he talks about this sometime in Tracy Harris the state of nothing being in itself a nothing is not necessarily weakened something fathom even in the barest bones, uh, physical or philosophical version of nothing, that's still something. It's a notion. Well, the physics,
0: nothing, uh, still has quantum particles popping in and out of it, still has the magnetic waves passing through it, light waves, whatever, even though there may not be anything, uh, physical in there, uh, the things that do come in there are transient. I mean, that's still something. And, uh, you know, if you have one quantum particle appearing, can, why not many? It? It's 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 a hard concept to get your head around. matter of fact, uh, who was it that said that um, science or physics, especially quantum physics, may not only be so strange we can't understand it, but it uh, may be so strange we'll never understand it. We may not ever have the capacity
1: to understand what's really going on there. Right, and to round up that long point, I was maybe, sorry, uh, Essentially, it was basically that it was the appeal to that which was not understood until you gain more knowledge. Right. That's what I used to go back to all the time and still started looking into it. And that melted away pretty quickly.
0: But one thing that we can't agree on is the answer to these questions has never, ever proven to be magic or
1: yeah. supernatural. Wombat, well, you? Yeah, sorry for going on. For
3: uh, so there were a couple of times where I used uh, God as an answer. Uh, I, I guess as I was getting, I mean, obviously, as I was coming out of my transition from faith, I was using it less, but it was still, there's still that comfort that's there when you just have like a one word answer of, you know, he's going to figure it out, or God's got it, or he has my back, or I know I can get to work today or get back home, or that this person, my loved ones will be safe, because God's, you know, looking out for them. I, I use that frequently as just a way to deal with, you know, the, the stress of not knowing, you know, in, in a world where bad things can happen to you without much warning, you know, uh, having that in my life ha- helped out a lot. But I guess, you know, part of the growing up process of, you know, that sort of enlightenment just came, made me come to terms with, you know, why are the things in my life valuable to me? what can I do to appreciate them for what they are now rather than being fearful to the point where I'm appealing to like a supernatural God to keep them safe. Can I enjoy them now as they are? And if so, then maybe I can let go slightly of this, you know, dependency that I have to try to keep them safe forever. And when I came to that realization, I began to appreciate the things that I had in my life a lot more. I began to appreciate means of keeping myself safe and the people that I love safe a bit more. You know, I, instead of praying to, you know, praying that my mom would get to work safely, I'd say, Hey mom, it's raining outside. Just drive home safely. Or, Hey, you know, you might want to uh wear seatbelts or Hey, traffic's really bad. You might want to stay at work for like a couple of 10 minutes, just letting you know. But, uh and by the way, I love you. Exactly. And keeping up on terms with that, made me live with less regrets than I would have if I had just kept to myself and lived a more insular life where I could rely on what I believe to be an all-powerful being. And I think that's what really did it for me. What about you, or Five?
0: Well, um, one thing that may be lost on a, a believing audience is that most atheists were at one time believers. Uh, we are not pre-religious. We are post-religious for, for the most part. I'd say 95% of us have come out of a religious a belief of some kind. I myself was born and raised Southern Baptist. I was that way until I went into the, into the service and came out and went to college. In other words, I was like 23 years old before I started questioning my beliefs. And I only did that really because I met another atheist and she helped me. She uh, She gave me questions I didn't really know the answer to. And I was in college, a perfect environment for looking up the answers, going, and back then we didn't have the internet, of course, we had libraries, but we could go to the library, we could read the books from some of the greatest thinkers there are, uh, and have been, and, uh, it didn't take long before, uh, my beliefs crumbled. I think the first real year in college did it. But also, uh, it was, uh, because I was taking courses like, Geology, which gave me the great of, uh, age of the Earth, anthropology, that gave me the humble beginnings of human, uh, humankind, and pre-humankind, and uh, physics. I was taking that astronomy, uh, astrology, astronomy. <laughs> I always get those confused. Oh, astrology. Yeah, but um, by the time I came out of uh, out of uh, college, I was pretty much uh, an atheist, a uh, strong atheist. Uh, I did not come out of college. I mean, out of an atheist closet because I didn't really feel it was necessary to do so until such time as, like, religious people flew planes into the towers in 9-11, uh, and other things happened about the same time. So I was in the I was in the atheist closet for 30 years before I wow. came out. Uh, I was wow. an ap- apotheist. <laughs> I didn't really think it mattered much until, of course, religion came knocking on all of our doors. At that time.
1: It, you know, something... To <laughs> add to all this is that I think it's not just so much as being challenged on a question and being basically being basically being held held to the fire on it and say, no, we're not going to talk about something else. We're going to answer this question. It's not just that. I think it's and what Wombat uh mentioned and you which you mentioned Addera uh, is uh it's a perspective difference which when that happens everything else kinda of tends to follow in that direction. And that's one of the biggest things I think as overlooked, um, you know, rather than just saying, well, so you can have a theistic and a, and a non-theistic uh, proponent of evolution, okay? But the perspective of why that is can be radically different, and probably is based on those definitions. So when the perspective comes, everything else tends to follow. And, you know, the notion of just appreciating life, and, well, you know, now that I think about it, what if is there is just this one life? What then? What would I do and well, we, don't then have, we don't have trouble believing it's
0: one life for everything else on the just we, We've got to have the exception for us. Right. We've got 10 minutes left in the show. I thought I'd give out the number in case somebody wanted to
3: join the conversation. It's 865 333 5937. 865 333 5937.
0: That's three 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 five nine three seven. Lines are open, and uh
3: to you want that? I think we were talking before we went there. Oh, by the way, you might want to also let them know about the email that you have.
0: Oh, yeah, you can reach me if listeners would like to email me personally. It's doubter five at digitalfreethought dot com. And uh, there's also one for the uh, show itself, isn't there? Like yeah, digitalfreethought at gmail dot com. Is that
3: right? That's it. Hey, what a lot of memories. <laughs> Great. So uh how about this? So we've been uh, negging on uh, uh religious people or believers for using a single term that they may not really understand very well that co- inadvertently complicates an issue more than it does resolve it. But I feel like atheists are just as guilty. Maybe we should talk to our fellow atheists about maybe things they shouldn't use to explain big concepts. And is there anything in mind that you guys might have where you know a non-believer might use a term or a scientific uh, uh, buzzword to explain something that might be super complex, perhaps beyond the uh, capacity of what they're trying to explain in the first place? Do you guys have anything like that?
1: Uh, well, sure. I'm not being expert and filled by any measure, but when people refer to, um, well, how does this happen? And someone might say relativity. Um, yeah, I mean, you have your special and you have your general, you have your micro and your macro, and then uh and then you have moral
0: <laughs> yeah a lot of people think that uh what is it? Einstein's theory of relativity actually applies to morality
3: i <laughs> no, sorry, I shouldn't laugh, I shouldn't laugh no. uh relativity is, is just so. A relatively quick story, it's just uh at the time people, you know, we already understood from a lot of thermodynamics that, you know, you can't cons- you can't create or destroy energy. Yet we seem to have things that are not energy. What's going on? And so Einstein was really, really cool in that he developed a very, very, very simple equation that explained a very, very, very complicated thing. And it's for the most part fairly accurate in that you can take energy and convert it to mass, and you can also convert mass into energy. So you're not losing or destroying energy, you're just converting it from one form into another. And I think that's a very, very cool concept. It kind of threw science on its head for a while, and that's one of the main reasons why people love Einstein so much. That's the story behind that. Right.
1: And and also sometimes people, uh, and this is famous, people often misquote him, and they say that uh, he was a strong believer. You know, and they they, uh, apologists will say that that he was a Christian, he was a man of God, but if you look more into his quotes, he'll go on along the lines of saying something about um, in regards to uh, God and the notion of the Christian belief or something along that, he certainly would not count himself. I'm I'm butchering that, but there's a phrase that goes along with it. Go ahead.
3: Or it wouldn't matter to me if he was religious or not. At the end of the day, it's just what can he say and what can he demonstrate? Uh, if you can actually come up with a, a, a proof for God that's as effective as is proof for relativity, I'd be on board for believing in God. I'm not in anyone's camp, aside from just the people who can demonstrate their claims to the most sincere and effective results. That's all I'm asking for, because I just want to prove my grip on reality. <laughs> and I think that's what everyone's goal is. Dutter five, can you give me an example of... Atheists using a term that might bug you to explain something that might be way more complicated.
0: No, you own own I, nothing comes to mind I. right now. I'm sorry. Oh
3: my gosh, our atheists are just perfect beings, aren't
0: they? It's not just nothing <laughs> comes to mind. I, I would tell you but if something
3: came, but it doesn't.
0: Can give give me some examples, and I'll say, oh yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> okay. How about uh, people say, explaining things away with maybe just saying science in general, like ah, uh, science. Science proves science proves X, Y, Z. Have you ever heard that phrase before? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. According, science according is not in the,
3: uh, no, in the field or the practice of proving, proving anything.
0: Mathematics.
3: Science is, yeah, mathematics is, but they can declare their own truths. So they have that in their bag. I'm sorry if my cat's playing toys in the background. But science is not about proving things to be true. It's more about developing consistent models of reality that are reliable, that can be improved upon. And sometimes they give us very reliable information, but they're not made to prove to an absolute that anything is or is not. That's not what science is about. And I feel like when people say, well, science proved X, Y, Z, they don't understand the nature of science to begin with. Yeah, or they're and using it loosely.
0: I mean, you, you could say that science has proven that the moon is not made out of green cheese because we went there and brought back moon rock, who proved it. But at the same time, I understand what you're talking about. Uh, science can demonstrate certain claims to have more and more probability. It's like 100% probable that the moon is not made of green cheese, is another way of putting it. But I mean, in everyday colloquial language, you can say science has proven something, if indeed they have shown it to be true.
3: And while I understand what you're saying, I would want to have the same measure of standards for what I expect from people who use God as an excuse for oh, everything, yeah. as people who use science as an excuse for everything. I want to apply, I don't want to give anyone favorites. So if someone says God proves XYZ, I want to hold them to the same terms that I would if someone said science proves X, Y, Z. And the benefit of that is that we all get a little bit better at explaining how our world works without getting confused and getting too enveloped in what these buzzwords mean to us personally, but how they actually relate to reality. Right.
0: By the way, I did look up that, that quote that uh, Einstein said uh, when he was, he was claimed as a Christian by a lot of uh, evangelicals during the time. He was a very popular man, uh, very very erudite, and everybody wanted to claim him as their own. But what he said was, quote, it was, of course, a lie, what you read about my religious convictions, a lie which has been systematically repeated. I do not believe in a personal God, and I have never denied this, but have expressed it clearly. If something is in me that can be called religious, then it is the unbounded admiration for the structure of the world, so far as our science can reveal it. Now that's straight from his his pen.
1: Which goes back to this, you know, Spinoza, uh, Michio Kaku, um, you know, Einstein, you know, basically of, of all that is. Um, just in blissful admiration of it rather than uh, a future entity or something like that.
0: Last words? We've got a couple of minutes left.
3: Believe in the actuality and not reality. And by that, we mean hey, have a good time with how the world actually works. Try to Have a good time with understanding how it comes to be. Have a good time with trying to figure out problems that are really hard. And don't go for the easy answer. Work for something that's a little bit hard. Because in that effort, you build up yourself as a person. And in that self, it's worthwhile. So don't go for the easy answers that don't really answer anything but complicate things even more and more. Try to struggle for something a little bit more nuanced because in that subtlety comes personal growth and really fulfilling explanations for how our universe works.
0: Exercise your mind just like you would your body.
3: Rip.
1: Yeah, be well, do good, and think critically.
0: And as usual, this is Dr. Five signing out. Don't worry. Oh, well, uh, everybody is going to somebody else's hell. The time to worry about it is when souls and heavens and hell have been driven and not building. Have a good life. We'll see you next week. Bye! Bye. Bye. Bye.